This is episode 316 for July 2014, and we're going to tackle spider history in this episode. And if you're a fan of spider history and the other segments that we do regularly on this show, please consider supporting us by logging on to the SpidermanCrawlspace.com. Look on the right-hand side for support this site via PayPal, and you can help us continue to put out more episodes and help us pay the bills and pay for the bandwidth. On with the show. Okay, time for Spider History. We're going back to July of 1981 with JR. And this month, uh, thanks to our friends at SpiderFan.org, we're going to see what came out this month. Amazing Spider-Man number 218 came out this month, JR, written by uh, Denny O'Neill and art by John Romita Jr. It's got a great-looking cover on it. It's okay. It's not one of my faves, but... uh... (laughs) In Manhattan, stalks a monster. Yeah, is on the cover. yeah. Well, I'll tell you this: this is, this is the, this is, I think, the first Spider history we're doing during what I consider to be one of the worst runs ever on Spider-Man, which the Denny O'Neill run, absolutely wretched. And I, I I'm going to have to, uh, I will certainly uh, entertain any opinions or observations that Mr. Bailey may care to make. Um, but as a little bit of background, uh, I mean, first of all, I mean, to give Mr. O'Neill props where it's due, I mean, he's a comics legend. For one, mm-hmm. uh, he uh, you know he created Ra's al Ghul. He's the one who turned Batman back from you know changing back from a campy, the campy TV show character to you know the Dark Knight detective. He you know he brought that back. Uh, you know he's done a lot of other. You know he was the one who uh, he was you know he was one of those limp-wristed liberals. You know a bit like in and uh, you know <laughs> so you know and that that infused his that infused his run on was, on Green. Was he? Was he on the outs of at with DC at this point? What, what, Is that where it went to? Okay. Okay. Anyway, so he did the Green Lantern, Green Arrow, where Speedy was on drugs and stuff. So yeah, okay, yeah. the guy's the guy made his bones. You know, he doesn't. <laughs> but I don't know what the hell happened on his Spider-Man run because it yeah. is just awful. And the stories, you know, Marv Wolfman had a bunch of subplots going, particularly with the Daily Globe, and Denny O'Neill shit all over it in one issue. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and the stories are just simply amateurish. They are just amateurish stories. Uh, and the only thing I can think of is why it is so bad. I mean, because he worked for Marvel for a while. Uh, you know, he, after he left DC, he went to work for Marvel. But then I don't think he went back to DC until 86. And, and his run was extremely short. I mean, he did like 13 issues and two annuals. And that's it. And that was really short for that period of time. And I've never received an explanation. I've never heard an explanation for why or why it was so bad. Um, I have heard off and on that I have heard. Well, I've read that O'Neill himself has admitted that he struggled with uh, uh, substance abuse. Uh, He had a shitty marriage. Um, Jim Shooter, I guess, famously said that if O'Neill was not really interested in something, that he was as bad of a hack as anybody. uh, (laughs) Wow. Yeah, he said apparently it was in a uh, man, uh, man without fear dot com or something. But um, the um, the quote, I I don't have the exact quote. I just have somebody paraphrasing it. But that just that Shooter said that if O'Neill wasn't interested in something, he could hack badly. Um, and I've also heard that O'Neill actually wouldn't write some of his own stuff, that he would actually farm it out, you know, to interns or to somebody else and, you know, flip him a few dollars and put his name on it. I've heard he, he I've heard oh. he would do that. 
but I really don't know, and uh, I don't know if Mr. Bailey has any additional insight or not. No, that that that's about it. I, I know he went through a pretty rough time uh, in the late seventies and the early eighties, and one of the main reasons he took editorial positions was it gave him a sense of stability and allowed him to kind of clean himself up. Mm-hmm. So he just simply may not have been interested in Spider writing Spider. Yeah, no, no, that that that. That sounds about right. I've never heard, you know, most of the interviews you hear with him are, you know, talking about Batman or Green Lantern, Green Arrow. You know, you don't hear a whole lot about his uh, Marvel work. He'll talk about Iron Man, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Uh, I've never really heard him talk about Spider-Man. Maybe he just, you know, the thing we forget sometimes is that these people are, you know, professionals, meaning they do this for a always want to do what they're doing at the moment. So, you know, well, I'm, I'm looking at his uh, Wikipedia page and he introduced two characters that are still around in the spider verse, Madam Webb, who JR hates mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> Hydra man. Mm. And he also introduced uh, Obadiah Stane, who was in the first Iron Man movie. Mm-hmm. And I think when he wasn't that around the time, Tony started getting the drinking problem. Yeah, he brought the. I think he he brought the drinking problem back to the fore. I think. Right. And also, he's credited with uh, creating the name Optimus Prime on the Transformers uh, comic and cartoon. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? So that's pretty impressive. Yeah. And also, he was born in St. Louis, Missouri. Yeah, we won't hold that against him. <laughs> I knew you were going. I knew you were going to hit him with that. <laughs> but and, and, anyway, I mean to uh, to, to, yeah. to give it Mr. O'Dealy's props. I mean, he's a comics legend, but for whatever reason, when he was writing Spider-Man, he just you know, I mean, he just turned in a total turd. Uh, and um, <laughs> amazing two eighteen. Basically, yeah. uh, what it had this started actually in two seventeen. Um, and well, I, yeah, you're right, Brad. O'Neill created Hydro Man in issue 212. Anyway, right. uh, issue number 218. Um, what happened was uh, the Sandman and Hydro Man started. You know, they were uh, Hydro Man came to visit his girlfriend Sadie Frickett. She's a you know a bar floozy at the the pub at his favorite pub, and he gets there and Sandman's flirting with her, and so he gets all mad, and they all they fight and everything, and. You know, various complications happen. Spider-Man gets involved, and then when they're he, when the, in in this three-way fight on a pier by the East River, you know, the Sandman and Hydra-Man are coming at Spider-Man from different directions. Spider-Man ducks. They crash into each other, fall into the East River, and merge. And this big sand monster, walking sand monster, comes up out of the East River, and that's the end of two seventeen. So anyway, two eighteen. Uh, we find out, however, that the monster isn't particularly aggressive because uh, apparently, you know, it's it doesn't talk and it's pretty stupid, which I guess is what happens when you combine the intellects of Hydra Man and Sandman. Um, <laughs> so they get dumber, basically. Is what I, I guess, but uh, you, know, you know, definitely uh, subtract. Uh, what is it? Anyway, anyway, the, so anyway, the thing is though, it's, it's it's raining and the monster continues to grow in the rainstorm. <laughs> Well, so but yep. so he walks to Sadie's apartment and he picks up Sadie a la King Kong, you know, in his fist. Well, the cops get there. The, the cops get there and take him in. Now, I have no idea <laughs> where the hell they would put him. I mean, he's, he's just a sand monster, you know. So a giant plastic bucket. 
Oh, <laughs> man. But anyway, then it's like the next the next <laughs> panel is his attorney is Matt Murdock. <laughs> and Murdock is arguing that even though Sandman and Hydra Man are wanted criminals, since they have melded together, they constitute a new individual who is innocent of any wrongdoing. How diverse. Yeah. So the sand water monster is then released oh. in the custody of Sadie Frickett. Now that is that is wow. a lawyer that is expertise lawyering right there actually. That wow. you can well, get yeah. away with that. That actually, is you can get away with anything. That is typical scumbag lawyering. And anyway, the next panel is Foggy Nelson going to Matt and saying, you were brilliant as always, Matthew. You know, and it was like, God, Foggy, are you going to kiss him too? Gee, <laughs> So anyway, there's this sleazy agent. And is there, is there any other kind of agent, really, I guess? His name is Travis Rave. And uh, he approaches Sadie about being in show business. Well... Okay, we, we, uh, then the scene changes to ESU, where Peter is a grad assistant. And this is an area where Roger Stern is actually telling interesting stories. But we won't get to those, because we're talking about amazing now. <laughs> uh, anyway, Peter runs into Deb Whitman, who he's been treating like shit lately. Uh, and which, which really is a, a down point for the Parker character. I really did not like how Peter was written. That he just, I mean, Debbie obviously had issues, but she was Debbie still a was nice person. She was still, well, yeah, well, Bill Mantlo turned her cray-cray in that utterly stupid, <laughs> you know, you know, basically the, the all women are crazy thing, which I don't want to address. Maybe it's true. Oh, liar. Anyway, um, so anyway, so he sees Debbie, decides to be nice to her, ask her out for a cup of coffee. But, uh, you know, he's too late because her boyfriend, Biff Rifkin, is <laughs> and Biff comes in and says, and this is this is a quote, Deb so no, dearie, it's me. The old Biffer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, you know Peter really stepped down when he's lost to a guy named Biff. You know? <laughs> the old Biffer. <laughs> I mean, for the Biffer. It's so dearie, it's me, the old Biffer. <laughs> oh. Anyway, I mean, it almost sounds like it's something you do to a car. You Biff your car, you know? Anyway, I don't know. So we're back to the, the future guys. What's the line that Slot used this month? The, the Piker. Yeah. Piker, yeah. Well, to be <laughs> fair, Stanley used that line, but he used it, you know, well, that's true. 50 in nineteen sixty-two. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Peter changes to Spider-Man, you know, because he's going to stew for a little bit. So he swings around Times Square, and he notices a promotion for a new show at the Winter Garden called Sadie Frickett and Her Monster. <laughs> <laughs> My first thing was, you know, oh. it's an exhibition and it's a giant dildo or something. But I, you know, oh. wow. But anyway, so, I guess monster, no, that was so King Kong. <laughs> oh, we're, yeah, we're, yeah, yeah, we're getting there. Yeah, anyway, we're, Spidey can't pass that train wreck up. So we go to the, win <laughs> the we go to the Winter Garden, and where the panel says a place where the beautiful people show up. And for whatever reason, we have this one panel conversation between two nameless people. The guy, a man and his girl, the man says, Yeah, sure, this ain't no phonus balonus. <laughs> to which his girlfriend replies, Isn't no phonus balonus, precious. What the hell is this? What, what the hell is that? 
What is that? I don't. <laughs> anyway, so Sadie's there with her monster, you know, and the dancing girls are dancing around the monster. Anyway, for some reason, the stagehands are throwing water on him, sand and water. Because they want to make him bigger. Basically. And he keeps growing. And yeah. they're surprised. See, it's a sand and water monster. They throw sand and water on him. Yeah, because he's all the mud surpri- thing, right? And they're surprised that he's getting bigger. Yeah. Again, you know, really. <laughs> what the hell? Anyway, so I don't know what kind of show they did, but anyway, so after the show, Sadie kisses Travis, the agent, for making her a star. Well, the monster sees this, and his eyes turn red. Well, yeah, the monster gets mad, and he breaks free, and a SWAT team bursts in, and Spider-Man asks one of them, "Are you really going to zap that thing?" And the response <laughs> is. We ain't inviting it to the policeman's ball, pal. <laughs> JR, God, this is horrible. This so, is horrible. So, they, they, so anyway, so they've got some guns that'll spray a gas, which will dry the monster No, out. it's not just any gas. It's Agent Orange, because they said that this stuff was de- developed in Vietnam. So they're sp- ah! literally spraying Agent Orange on we're gonna, the monster. We're going to hose this thing down with some surplus NAM juice. <laughs> Well, I, I, you know, actually, I had that in there that I was going to say it was Agent Orange, but then they say, but it doesn't harm people. Oh, and yeah, it's like, sure. Yeah, it's like, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I didn't want to get into that. But, uh, but yeah, the, the first thing you do think of is that it's Agent Orange, but then they say it won't harm people. So, <laughs> you know, I don't know, maybe he's making a political commentary. I don't know. Yeah, Jerry Conway's political commentary <laughs> could be pretty ham-fisted as well. Um Anyway, so the monster grabs Sadie and begins climbing a large building. God. <laughs> Police helicopters spray it with the gas. Gee, this dry the monster, Dry the monster out. It falls to the pavement in large clumps and is shoveled off the street by the cops. <laughs> yeah, they the literally same. sweep the guy, right? They literally sweep yep. the debris. Yep. And the, the, uh, the slimy agent tells Sadie that he's working on the film rights for this. Sadie Tell is, of course, unhappy that the monster appears dead and wants nothing to do with it. And Spider-Man says, how did King Kong end? The guy said something like it was Beauty killed the beast. But he forgot to mention that Beauty didn't do too well either. The oh. end. Now, at least Denny O'Neill kind of admits that he was ripping off King Kong in this, in this thing, what he said had Spider-Man say that. So That is forgivable, though. Yeah, that's true. But the other crap isn't forgivable. Oh, no. I hope, uh, yeah, I'm not saying it, it is forgivable, oh, but yeah. Man, there's two yeah. things to notice on this, okay? Number one is uh, is that the way that Sandman looks is uh, is the way that uh, that Clayface, uh, a lot oh, of yeah. it, it's very reminiscent of the way Clayface looked in the 1990 Batman cartoon. Hey, mm-hmm. uh, Bailey, did Clayface look like, you know, like the way he looked in the in the cartoon? Did he look like that before the cartoon ever? Not really. He was, okay. um, you know, he was much skinnier. He kind of had that mud look. Uh, but, you know, it's depending on what clay face you're talking about. Well, yeah, because so. there were like four of them, weren't there? Yes. One of them was a chick. I remember that because of the mud pack thing. I think I kind of remember Hydra-Man and Sandman making fun of this years later. Mm-hmm. Did, did they not? They made some. They made fun of it, uh, oh, gosh. Um, oh... It seems like it was like it was recent somewhere. It seems like we just talked about it. Well, the, the weird thing yeah. about this is this is actually this is actually turns out to be a character defining moment for Sandman because after he after he, they get he gets better, 
he's all tra- he's traumatized by this whole thing, and that's kind of what leads him to this path of becoming, you know, essentially try to try his hand at being a superhero. Yeah. Brad, what so. it was was uh, the Sinister Syndicate thing. Sinister Syndicate. Oh yeah. Because they had it, it out like for one a, of Like in 280 ish? Yeah, when we talked about that, okay. because Hydro Man was part of them, okay. and Sandman mm-hmm. stepped in to help Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the other thing I was going to mention is that I don't remember Spider Man trying to find Matt Murdock after this to kick him in the junk <laughs> <laughs> for, for getting you know two villains out of jail for the price okay. of one. Well, see, the thing is, though, the reason he didn't is because in the very next issue, number 219. Peter Parker is accused of helping criminals escape from uh, Rikers Island because yeah. some crook says that Peter Parker did it. So Peter goes to jail, and Matt Murdock is his lawyer. So, yeah, he couldn't very well go kick Murdock in the junk because in the very next issue, he needs Murdock to defend him against this charge that he is helping inmates escape Rikers. <sighs> and that, that anyway, was a mess. Is that when he was like a mess. gargoyle? Uh, yeah, way, I, think, I love the fact that when they were doing showing the mud monster of this thing, because I was reading this issue uh, before beforehand, is like they put him in this big giant purple cape thing, and just to like you know like it's like oh to try to make it you know <laughs> on the little you know just a like dynamic thing and all this stuff. It was just like okay, who, you know, who doesn't it, wear a purple cape? I'm wearing one right now. Oh yeah, yeah right. <laughs> anyway, there's there's actually a PS to this story because believe it or not, oh, there is. believe it or not, Sadie Frickett actually did show up many years later. Uh, Where? In Marvel Knights, Spider-Man number six, uh, you know, because Mark Millar or Miller was, you know, he was doing a whole lot of fan wanking in that series. Mm -hmm. And a lot of, I mean, uh, and a lot of it was fun. I mean, I I thoroughly enjoyed Marvel Knights, the first 12 issues, even though the story had very big problems. But, yeah, a lot of the fan wanking was really fun. But, But Sadie walks in, she's on the arms of Hydro Man. And they're walking in with Sandman, and who uh, Sandman's got a girl, which you know, I guess I hope she realizes she can't get pregnant because he has no baby making parts. Because Spider-Man. Oh hates. yeah, I remember um, that scene now. But anyway, but yeah, they're 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 um, you know anyway, Sadie wants uh, Maury, the Hydra Man, to uh, bid on the because vi- they're all there at the Ditko Theater with a bunch of other villains to bid on the Venom symbiote that Eddie Brock is oh. is mm-hmm. auctioning off because he's got cancer. So anyway, so yes, Sadie okay. did kind of come back. I'll be. Um, love the issue, Jr. No, <laughs> I've said for years this is an awful run. I'm, awful. And I, I'm That's not bad. lying, folks. I mean, it's it's. I'm not exaggerating. Wow. I mean, what, it's rivaled only by the Burn Mackie reboot era. What the thing is about this because re- reading this thing, it's it's, it's how it, they they try to treat this as oh this is this this tragic story, but it's so freaking ridiculous. I mean, the whole setup of the thing is like. How are you supposed to like you know, the whole mud monster and the whole thing about about the, 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 the what really got me was the whole sweeping the street scene and it's like oh and like that treating like oh, I was like oh this guy is dead it's like I was just like cracking up in this like ow but you know what Jr you only paid fifty cents for it back in nineteen eighty whatever <sighs> and I wanted my money back <laughs> <laughs> you want to do spec or Marvel team up next uh, let's do spec. Okay. Because spec, because we referenced um, Roger Stern okay. doing spec. Spec number fifty six came out. This is written by uh, Roger Stern. Pencils by Jim Shooter. Really? Yeah. That, that can't be right. Really? He he penciled it. It says it. If it says it, I mean, it's just like the internet. If you see it, you can believe it. 
editor, Denny O'Neill, who also wrote Amazing. So Denny's got his hand in this one, too. Uh, he really doesn't, because this story actually is amusing. Um, <laughs> um, basically, this is Spider-Man's first confrontation with Jason, the Jason McIndale Hobgoblin. Uh, this was very early. In, in, um, well, anyway, let me start off. This was re- basically spectacular. Peter Parker's spectacular Spider-Man was Roger Stern's warm-up before he took over Amazing Spider-Man, which he did in, in issue number 224. And one of the things that Stern was doing at this time was uh, he was having villains who Spider-Man didn't normally run into uh, show up. Like, you know, I mean, you know, they weren't classics, but, you know, Jack-O-Lantern, Goldbug, Killer Shrike, Nitro, you know, so, you know, and they'd come in for like a one issue as a straw man and Spider-Man would beat on him or whatever, but it was a, they were fairly amusing issues. Um, anyway, so this is like, I think Jack's, Mac, or Jack-O-Lantern's second appearance, he first appeared Machine Man, if you remember the original Machine Man series, which I think was originally drawn by Ditko, because um, I remember my brother had several issues of it years and years ago. Uh, but anyway, so after that battle with Machine Man, uh, the ho- Jack-O-Lantern is, is taken on a gurney into uh, the hospital. And th- that's the uh, anyway, that's kind of how the story starts. And meanwhile, Peter's at ESU, and he's finding out that he learns of a plot by a couple of the other grad assistants to find out why Marcy Kane is wearing scarves all of a sudden. Now, it sounds stupid, and it is stupid, but... You had to read, I mean, they, they established this grad school environment, you know, and Marcy is kind of this stuck-up, spoiled bitch, you know, and, and Steve, and there's, and there's another, you know, she thinks that Peter Parker is a lazy, no-good guy who got in on, you know, who got in on a scholarship and isn't using his brains to their full potential, and it was, it was an interesting, I mean, it really was, it was a different era of Spider-Man, it was interesting, but anyway, so Marcy's start, you know, it was a blonde. And then she started wearing scarves, and it was driving this one guy crazy. So they, so they had this where they hide, and when she walks in, they pull the scarf off, but they pull her wig off too. And it turns out that the big secret Mar- Marcy's been hiding is that she has she's not a natural blonde. Uh, and. We find out her terrible secret is that when she was a little girl, her hair started out as blonde, but then it darkened, and so she started bleaching it because she thought it was her best feature, and then the doctor said if she bleached it anymore, her hair would fall out. So that's her... That's her horrible secret, and uh, oh. and uh, but that see this is the scene where Peter shows her some compassion, and then Marcy's starting to say, "Is this the guy I've been you know saying is a lazy loser all this time?" You know, blah blah blah. But of course, it's not nearly as stunning later when Bill Mantlo reveals that Marcy is an alien from, yeah. from, <laughs> from, from the planet Talaxia or X Laxia or something in the, the uh, Jack of Hearts miniseries in a true wow. WTF. Moment. <laughs> she was the same race as ja- as whatever Jack of Hearts was. Like, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. He, he, she actually like, looks better with short hair. I mean, because looking at the panels here, I mean, just it, wow. Yeah, well, the uh, she was written originally almost like a Gwen Stacy ripoff. I mean, mm-hmm. she. Oh yeah. 
you know, she was blonde and she was, uh, you know, dissing Peter. And that's kind of what Gwen was doing. And mm-hmm. the, and then people wrote in, well, you know, basically called Mantlow on it. Because Mantlow created her. Mantlow started this in the th- issue 30-something. And then Stern uh, took over in 40-something. And uh, but but Mantlow had said, oh, you know, Marcy and Peter's relationship will be like nothing you have ever seen. And well, yeah, we'd never seen him, you know, have a thing for an alien before. That's and, and Mantlow wrote the Jack of Hearts miniseries. So I guess <laughs> wow, I never read that. <laughs> well, my brother had it. I mean, that's, that's okay. And uh, uh, you know, so yeah, Marcy was an alien. But anyway, okay, then Aunt May calls. And it turns out that Jack-O-Lantern has revived, and a bunch of his old gang have come in to get him, and they've taken over the hospital. Well, this hospital happens to be the place where her current boy toy, Nathan Lebinsky, goes for rehabilitation. (laughs) And, of course, Aunt May, thinking that her nephew is as stupid and senile as her, has to remind Peter it's for his legs. Uh... <laughs> so Aunt May, oh, Aunt May wants Peter to come over and stay with her until the crisis is over. <laughs> but of course he doesn't do that, and he run and and so he changes to Spider Man and and sneaks into the hospital. And after a fairly entertaining fight, which is full of Spidey quips and making fun of Jack O' Lantern's pogo platform. Uh, <laughs> Wow. Which, which, you know, it's it's like, I think he does say something like, oh, that is so lame. Uh, and uh, Sp- Spider-Man easily handles him, which is another thing I liked about this is because Spider-Man should easily handle him. He's a putz. Mm-hmm. Um, so Peter I- then rushes to Aunt May's to tell her everything is okay. But guess what? Aunt May is mad at him because where was he the whole time, you know, when she needed him? And I, I, I guess, you know... <laughs> Yeah, and I guess, you know... Bailey hates that. Yeah, Bailey, those are Bailey's favorite moments of an anime guilt. Bailey absolutely hates that. Uh, and, and maybe Dan Slott was reading this when he decided to go a little <laughs> further with it. And, you know, uh, anyway, and, and one truly awful issue of Spider-Man. Anyway, Peter thinks to himself, you know, he walks out and, you know, in his self-pity and says, oh, I could tell Aunt May but that I'm Spider-Man, but then she would worry too much. And, no, it's better for her to think of her that her nephew is a louse than to know he's Spider-Man. The dumbass end. Uh, <laughs> wow. But, uh, yeah, really, it was. I mean, it was an entertaining issue. It wasn't bad. But, you know, looking yeah. back at it, it's... Yeah. You know, it's it's got it's got its typical moments, and and again, it's you know he was writing Aunt May like everybody else was, although he did finally decide that you know the old bag needed a enema, and uh, oh wow, well I mean he said in an interview he said when he started yeah. writing Spider Man, people would always ask him, hey, is Aunt May dead yet? And <laughs> uh, and then he said, why do these people want this lovable old woman dead? And then you know he started reading it, and it's like, well, God, because she's a senile albatross around his neck. So so he decided to loosen her up a little bit. And I guess that's what Nathan Lubinsky was for, to loosen her up a little bit. And then and then uh, Marvel rebooted Spider Man altogether and made her even looser. Oh wow. It, yeah. Wow. So I, you know that was, uh, I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at shooters pencils, they're not bad. No. no? Well I, I, layout. I'm just kind of amused at the fact that they're holding nitro in this hospital. Given what he's, you know, the guy, this is the guy who can literally explode. And it's like the fact that they're like emphasizing the fact that there's no smoking in this, in this thing, his oxygen is in use. I mean, 
oxygen is a combustible material, as far as I know. I but. remember in the issue they even say that he's right next to the nursery because I thought yeah. that was the safest. But no, oh god, I, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> not true. I'm, I'm making that up. <laughs> So it, really, it wasn't a bad issue. I, I, I enjoy. I mean, the fight between Jack O' Lantern and Spider Man is entertaining. It kicks uh, he gets, his ass. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. It, exactly like you would expect him to. Because um, the Jack O' so, Lantern was pretty much, you know, there's pretty much. The there's uh, one more main Spider Man title that came out. Uh, Marvel Team Up number one hundred and seven. Yes. Uh, he teams up with She-Hulk, very new character in the Marvel Universe at this point, written by Jim Shooter and Tom DeFalco, and, and pencils by Herb Trimpey. I can't wait to hear Jr. shit on something I like. <laughs> <laughs> I was about That's to say, if you whole... want to do that, just replay the Secret Wars podcast. Uh, get it oh, I listened to that again earlier today. and uh, Yes, I did, and, I, and uh, you're still a goddamn monster. <laughs> Uh, I, I, you know, I actually enjoy listening to that because because I enjoy George just going on, you know, you, about it. You hurt my childhood too, man. You just ripped it up. Yeah, but Brad, you started dabbling in him, and you're like, well, I don't know the writing now, and I was like, yeah, because yeah. that's how Brad talks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's my <laughs> voice. I use that voice for Brad all the time. Great. So, and JR, then, and then, how are you going to? So, how are you going to destroy uh, J, uh, um, George's childhood with this uh, recap? Why do you like this one, George, by the way? Oh, it's got Spider-Man and it's got She-Hulk. How can I not like it? Yeah, this, And it's got Herb Trimpey, famous Hulk penciler. Yeah, this, this, is during, yeah, this is during She-Hulk's white yeah, nightgown you know. phase. You know, like when the Hulk, when Bruce Banner hulked <laughs> out, he always had purple pants and no shirt. Well, She-Hulk always has a, a ripped white, I don't know what the hell it is, but anyway, it's... It, it, it's, it's, laund- it's, it's lingerie. It covers her boobs, her ass, and her other parts, so, you know, I guess it functions like it's supposed to. Anyway. <laughs> this, well, we're off to a good start, George. <laughs> Thanks, Dr. Fettinger. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I get all of my uh, information about female anatomy from none other than Senator Aiken of Missouri, so thank oh. you very much. Uh, oh. Oh. <laughs> to close that loop. Anyway, the story opens. With a former 60s radical terrorist surrendering, surrendering to the police after years of hiding. So you got to remember, this was written in uh, 81, and not too much before this, and it is directly referenced, uh, Abby Hoffman, who was one of those nutso liberals from the 60s, uh, in the, like the, you know, from the, uh, you know, he was one of those damn dirty hippies George is always talking about. Yep. Um, the Chicago Seven and all that crap, but anyway, so but he was he was missing for years, and then they found him, and he he surrendered and turned himself in in 1980. Well, this story is a, a famous a terrorist from that era. You know, it's a woman called Hildy Dawes. You know, and so Peter's saying, "Oh wow, you know, I remember from the headlines like a Law and Order episode." Well, yeah, there was a Law and Order episode yeah. that was based on Catherine Ann Power, who surrendered in 1993. So uh, I did look that up, and. Um, <laughs> But uh, but anyway, so Peter said, oh, wow, you know, another terrorist, just like Andy Hoffman, you know, surrendered. Oh, and her lawyer is Jennifer Walters. Of course. Okay. So anyway, so Jennifer Walters is her lawyer. And uh, actually, we get another scene of Maggie and Maggie, Matt and Murdoch and Foggy, uh, which I guess if they they're combined, they, wow. Maggie, wouldn't they? Uh, they're in a lot of spider books. As yeah. Well. So. For some reason, they have an obnoxious. They have oh, no, no obnoxious, but they just have a useless conversation. Um, where Matt says, "I wonder what Foggy would do if he knew I was tra- going to change into Daredevil to go after the Kingpin." <laughs> anyway, so 
Anyway, so we get the story of why this lady turned herself in. You know, she was feeling guilty about all the shit she did in the 60s and everything like that, all the acid she dropped and, you know, all the... (laughs) All the judges planned a bomb. All the the Doors albums she listened to and... uh, Oh, you know, man. things of that, you know, and, and, you know, going to Woodstock and stuff. And uh, so anyway, so it's eating a hole in her soul. And uh, so she's decided <laughs> to uh, turn herself in. But anyway, as she's turning herself in, then all of a sudden, this flying armored vehicle shows up and starts attacking the place. And, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, Hildy thinks they're trying to kill her. But Jennifer Walters, who 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 got a sneak peek at the rest of the story said oh no i think they're just trying to kidnap you um so anyway so peter changes to spider-man obviously and uh it turns where's, where's peter been is he taking he was taking pictures yeah he was taking pictures okay. of hildy's surrender uh, okay and um anyway so they find out that the occupants of the vehicle are all women and the lead <laughs> one begins her supervillain monologue Oh, no. <laughs> because oh, no. you always know that when you want to capture feminist dialogue, you have two <laughs> dudes writing it. Because that, that you know, kind of like having Bill Mantlo write for African-Americans like he did in Marvel, the old Marvel team up. But anyway, wow. Her, her, <laughs> we strike for the glory of feminine superiority. Oh. <laughs> Wow, this is rough. We we have come to we have come to rescue Hildy Dawes, which I wonder if she's related to Rachel Dawes, you know, of course, who is the Batman lawyer. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, from your repressive clutches, my women warriors and I will dis- demolish you and your sexist <laughs> your sexist society. I alone could easily smash twice your number. No man can withstand the power and the fury of the man killer. <laughs> And then, really? Wow! <laughs> Spider Man has actually faced her before, back in Marvel Team Up number number eight. So you know, if you obviously the man killers, there was a great demand for the man killer because ninety nine issues later she shows up. Oh, I got ninety nine issues. Of, and, uh, yeah. Games you could have come up with, you choose man killer. Yep. Really? Okay. And, uh, I so mean, she from, also she from Paradise Island, like Wonder Woman, basically, like one you know, based on the what what's going on here because. Yes, yes, because yeah. Mar- because Marvel owns Wonder Woman, so she's on Amazon <laughs> Island. No, I know, I'm just kidding on that part, but yeah. Okay, the, these chicks hate men. Yes, they right. hate men. And, of course, Spider-Man, uh, you know, he comes back with uh, great dialogue of his own, uh, oh, no. because he says, um, you know, now while you, uh, oh, no, wait a minute, here we go. She says, now while you are off balance, I shall pulverize you as I shall one day destroy this entire male-dominated culture. Spider-Man then responds, if you could fight as well as you pontificate, yeah, I'd, really be in tr- I'd really be in trouble. Now, see, Ooh, that's pretty good. this is the stuff I want Andrew Garfield to say in Spider-Man 3. You know, <laughs> Spider-Man 3. Because we know he's got a better handle on the quippage than to- Tobey Maguire ever did. Now, I want, yeah. him, I want him to try some of this dialogue. Let's but you'll have now. to wait until at least 2017 to see it. Uh, <laughs> anyway, the crazed warrior women, uh, they make off with Hildy dolls because they knock Jennifer out before she can change the She-Hulk, and Spidey accidentally falls through the roof of a rusty old car. Um, anyway, the, the warrior women take Hildy back to their lair, where Mankiller explains that she wants to use her to further her dreams of revolution. All you need to know is that I am the man killer and I desire destruction. 
You and your leftist rebels want to change society. I want to obliterate the male-dominated system. And <laughs> she blames the fact that she's wearing, an, you know, she wears an exoskeleton and she blames it on men. Well, why not? You know, anyway, the man killer doesn't realize that Hildy surrendered because she's regretting her damn dirty hippie past. Um <laughs> Anyway, so Spider-Man and Jennifer, who's since changed into She-Hulk in her, rip, her uh, white ripped lingerie phase, um, they, uh, individu- they individually figure out where the, the man killer and, and her female warriors are hiding, and they go find her. Uh, but man killer has already left uh, because, well, she's, she's taken a, lo- a truck loaded with explosives. And she's taking Hildy with her. And here, and here's a really good line. I mean, I, I, I did like this one when because this is the first time Spider-Man meets the She-Hulk. And you have to remember that She-Hulk is she's smarter than the Banner Hulk, but she's yeah. not quite fully as you know articulate as Jennifer Walters there. Uh, but anyway, Spider, you know, when She-Hulk burst in, Spider-Man goes, "You've got to be kidding." Are you a blood relation or a wedding gifts in order? <laughs> which, uh, That's pretty good. Which That's I pretty thought good. was a good line. And, of course, as you know, She-Hulk was invented because Marvel got wind that DC may try to do a She-Hulk, cause the, or CBS, I'm sorry. CBS might try to do a She-Hulk, and they might try to do a Spider-Woman. So Marvel said, oh, we got to do that first. And <laughs> Wait, so, now, JR, that's wrong because I know for a fact because uh, – who who was it like last month? Um, David S. Goyer. Yeah, David S. Goyer <laughs> said that uh, Stanley invented her to have sex with the Hulk. So yeah, David S. Goyer wouldn't lie, would he? And according to and, and Mark Miller, that technically happened in the Old Man Logan. So hey. yes, it did. Uh. Yes, it did. <laughs> also, She Hulk is one of the last Stanley original creations. She's the last yeah. one, I think. Actually. Original well, in quotes. Well, <laughs> rabbit. Ravage 2099, right? Ravage 2099 is the last, I think. Which was offered to Steve Ditko, and, you know, in the... I'm talking about when he was on his initial run, not when he came back. This was uh, Stanley and John Buscema, is that right? Yeah, I don't know. I think so. Yeah. Anyway, the man killer, you know, she's going to do a truck with explosives, and she's going to... She parks it in a garage under a hotel where the New York Civics and Racket Club is meeting, because (laughs) because when it blows up, the pigs will never know what hit them. With one, with one daring stroke, we can eliminate the city's most prominent male business leaders. Wow. Anyway, Spidey and She-Hulk come to the obvious conclusion, because what happens, Spidey and She-Hulk meet at the lair, and they, they fight, which is what every, every, they always, everybody did in Marvel Team-Up. You know, heroes meet, they fight, then they realize how stupid it is to fight each other, and they go looking for the bad guy. Um, so they go after the Manhunter, and they arrive at the hotel where the explosives are, and guess what? J. Jonah Jameson happens to be there as well. Uh, She-Hulk said, you know, she asked the Man-Killer, you know, what do you want to replace society with? Man-Killer goes, a paradise where women rule and men are helpless slaves who obey our every whim. Now, there's probably a lot of guys who might not think that's too bad. Uh, <laughs> but, in, but, but definitely, though, Mankiller is not someone I would want to be, you know, that one, uh, no, I can think of others I'd rather be a slave to than Mankiller. Uh, but anyway, but She-Hulk comes off with a great quip, I'll stick with the ERA. Which, of course, probably, you know, younger people now think, why is she talking about uh, uh, pitchers earned on average? But, of course, <laughs> remember the time frame. This was, of course, the Equal Rights Amendment, Rights Amendment yep. which was which actually came up a few states 
short of becoming part of the Constitution at that time, the 27th Amendment. And one thing the Equal Rights Amendment is infamous for, or I think it's infamous for, is its mysterious extension, because the Constitution gives you seven years to amend the Constitution. But for whatever reason, the ERA was given another three and a half years to pass and still didn't. You know, anyway. Um, she, you know, there's, hey, there's some history, kids. All right. Now, not only is it Spider-Man history, but it's real history. It's uh, constitutional history, God, JR. Damn it. You get everything here, kids. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway, so she hopes a truck filled with explosives, throws it in the river where it explodes. Manhunter tries to escape, but Hildy Dawes pulls out some high-tension wires and electrocutes them both. She-Hulk says she wanted to pay for her past sins, but the cost shouldn't have been so high. The end. <laughs> wow. What was funny was that they were both smoldering. It's like you had both of the dead chicks on the ground, and there's like smoke coming off them and everything. I mean, like, you know, like... like, like you still like this one, George? Yeah, I, I do. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it. don't get me wrong. I mean, it's over the top. I mean, I, I, yeah, with a lot of yeah. it. But then again, I've... Well, I'm not going to say anything. Anyway. <laughs> I'll say it's, it, it's, you know, try to, it represents, you know, like extreme feminism as a bunch of crazy people, but I've seen that. <laughs> so I've actually seen that happen. <laughs> so, you know, yep. for me, this is not too much of a stretch. Now, it is for the time period. Well, maybe, I don't know, maybe not, but anyway. Well, it, it's just funny, though. I mean, I, 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 yeah, and I, I've, I've, I've read some really weird shit as well, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, like feminists saying that, you know, marriage is just another form of slavery or it's a mm-hmm. form of legalized rape and I mean, really crazy shit. Uh, but it just is funny, though. I mean, you know, it's written by two dudes, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, it's like when it, it's like that old Saturday Night Live sketch, you know, called Women's Problems. And it's a talk show featuring men, you know, and it's, all, it's, it's <laughs> so anyway, but anyway, that was it. That was the month in spider history, July 1981. Wow. You are there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, any any thoughts of uh, Spidey Super Stories? Were you buying that back in eighty one? I you know I had stopped buying it. Uh, I stopped yeah. buying it in the, around issue twenty four because yeah. the at that time the the price of comics had gone up to like thirty cents, and I dropped Spidey Super Stories to save some money. It was only fifty cents this issue number fifty three where he teams up against Doctor Doom and also Marvel. Uh, Tales 128 reprinted, uh, Amazing Spider-Man 152 that also came out. The, the uh, spiderfan.org gives us this info. Also, Spider-Woman 38 came out this month, too. Uh, Chris Claremont wrote that. Let's not even get into that one. All right. Good, bad month, it sounds like, JR. It was, uh, It was. you know, you, got, you, you have a decent Roger Stern story. Uh, yeah. and, and, and you've got to, I mean, come on. The Marvel team-ups, they're fun to read. Because they're so bad, you know. I mean, there, there's 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 the bad that was this Denny O'Neill issue, which is just bad and it's 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 painful to read. And then there's this Marvel team up, which is pain. It's just bad, but it, it's fun. You know, it's just I, fun. I think there is something to to what you said about what Shooter said about O'Neill as like if, if if he's not interested in it, he's just going to phone it in. Um, because his stuff for Batman, when when he totally revamped Batman, is some of the strongest comics work there's ever been, and I think oh, Bailey yeah. will probably back me up on that. Oh yeah, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, I mean, he, he if you like the Joker as the Joker currently is, you have nobody to thank for that but Denny Neal. That's right. That's right. That's cool. Mm-hmm. This ends about five hours of recording. Let's go around the horn. Uh, we haven't done recommendations. If you have any of that or any final words, let's go around. Uh, George, final words or recommendations? Um, I uh, recommendations. I'm I'm going to see uh, Planet of the Apes uh, Monday. I hear it's very good. For, yeah, I, I love the first. One. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, aside from that, uh, not really, not really anything. I keep watching Amazon Daily for when they're going to post that uh, the Batman '60s TV show that's supposed to come out on Blu-ray. Oh, November. So it's supposed yeah, to be I, I keep watching it because I'm going to. I can't, I, can't, I can't decide if I'm going to pre-order a dress for Christmas. I think I'm just going to pre-order because I don't want to have to wait for Christmas for it to come out. You know, because <laughs> I plan on do, literally just sitting in front of my TV for two days. What's your price point for that? What are you willing to pay? Whatever they put it up for. Oh, my I don't gosh. Care. It's got to be 150 bucks. or something. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming it's probably going to be high. It's, it's probably going to be, I think you're right, at least 150 or maybe even 200 I don't care. I'll buy in it. I hope they stream it, too. I, I doubt that. I don't know. I, I, I bet they don't. Uh, let's see, spectacular Mike. Final words. Um, in terms of recommendations, I'm not. Um, I can't really think of anything offhand too much. I know we uh, mentioned. Um, I think the, the season of 24 or something like that. So if you wanted to, if uh, wanted to catch the, want to catch up on that, see the final episodes, you can. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, but as for, um, yeah, I'm not sure. You know, it's kind of drawing a blank at the moment. So it's just okay, but. JR, final thoughts, recommendations. What do you like? It's 3 o'clock in the effing morning, and I want to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Mr. Bailey, you get the last line for this show. What do you like? Uh, at this point, sleep. Sleep. But, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> enough for like 21 hours at this point. So, oh, my God. Uh, oh, my God. Dang. Yeah, I had to open this morning. Wow. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm a really big fan of Pawn Stars on History Channel. Yeah. Yeah, I am too. And they premiered a new show called Pornography. You know. Is it good? I did. I mean to record well, it. Well, one, it's hosted by Christopher Titus. So right there, you have like fifty percent win. Uh, okay. I love him. It was a fun show. I, I you know, it's a little rough because it's early days, but you know, if if you like Pawn Stars, I don't see why you wouldn't, you know, enjoy. Uh, it's like a Pawn Stars uh, game show, right? Yeah, where basically they take stuff from the store and you can win that, and there's haggling, and it's. it's it was a, it was a little more uh, a little more fun than I thought it was going to be. So that would be my recommendation. Does it have any of the Pawn Star people on it? Yeah, Rick and uh, Chum Lee, and uh, whose real name is Austin, by the way. Found out yeah. recently. And uh, and Corey. This, this is ironic. I, I have Dish, and I just went to History Channel, and it starts in three minutes. I'm hitting record. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a, that's a rec- rec- immediate recommendation for uh, <laughs> quick turnaround. Uh, anything else, Mr. Bailey? Uh, no, I, I really got to go to bed. Thank you, thank you, everybody, for staying up so late. My quick recommendation, uh, last couple of weeks, I've uh, blown through uh, a lot of blow. No, I'm just wow. I've, I've, I've blown through a lot of uh, Season 4 of Boardwalk Empire. No, I, that, uh, I still haven't seen anything past Season 2. See, the end of Season... Boy, the last three episodes of, of Season 2 were some of the rawest TV I've ever seen. Dude... It's a good well, show. I recommend watching that show in blocks and, and uh, marathoning it. Uh, I, I think week by week it's a little, a little you lose something, but uh, I, it's great. I, I just love season four. It was really good. Uh, what else did I get to recently? 
DVR. Oh, I, the, the last season of True Blood was rough, and this new season that just started up is not bad. So check that out if you like vampires and sex and nudity. I'm kind of glad it's ending, though, because it it really went off the rails with uh, Bill as Vampire Jesus and everything. It started crazy. 